listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Ryan. I'm Rachel. Thanks for listening today. Our hope is that this podcast helps us to better connect with the people of Clear Creek and continue the conversation beyond our weekly worship services. All right, so Rachel, divorce is a very common thing in our world and has been for Mm -hmm. a long time. And uh, the church is no different. People get divorced in the church. And so there's a lot of uh, just relational dynamics in that and how we serve people, how we walk people through that. How do we uh, help people recover from those situations? And so we've done some classes and we've got counseling, um, but it's just, it's a it's a tough thing to, to, to walk through. It's a tough thing as a church to be able to help people who are in that season. Yeah, I think, like you said, it's really common and it's also really hard. And even though we know it's common, people just feel isolated. They feel lonely when they're walking through it. Or if someone else is walking through it, how do I walk with them? So we actually invited Brad and Amy Thompson, who are leaders here at our church in lots of different ways, but they have led Reengage, our marriage ministry, and they lead Divorce Care, our divorce ministry. And they've both gone through divorce, they're married, and are just very passionate and purposeful when it comes to the beauty of marriage and finding hope after divorce. So I hope this conversation is helpful. Brad and Amy, thank you guys so much for being here today. Thanks for having us, Rachel. Yeah, two of my very favorite people and the parents of one of my very favorite teenagers. We love you and your kiddos too. We should probably have on the podcast because she's wonderful and wise too. So we really could have had you guys on here to talk about lots of things. Uh, You are wise, you lead in lots of areas, but you both have experience, right? You've gone through... Uh, divorce, you have your own stories when it comes to this. Before before we talk about anything that's specific, any questions we have, if you guys would be willing to just sort of share your stories, just tell us what it looked like for you, what it felt like, some of the questions you had, I think that would be helpful. All right, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I really connected with the opening where you said, um, you know, I'll paraphrase, but divorce is common, but it's hard to talk about. And for me, that that was really true. Uh, I was married right out of college. I grew up in a Christian home. I was saved. I married a lady who grew up in a Christian home. She was a believer. We met in college, went to Baptist University. Both of our parents were still married Married at the time that we got married. And we went into marriage fully expecting to be married for life. And the short end of that story is we were divorced within five years. Um, Part of the reason, I would argue, is what I carried into marriage. So I carried the background that I just shared, but I also carried a belief that if there was no conflict, that was a good thing. And how I measured success um, probably was off a little bit too. I grew up playing sports and being successful in school and anything that could be measured and counted seemed to be important. And so in that marriage, uh, we never fought. So there was no conflict. I thought that was good. And we achieved everything we set out to. We got jobs. We had the right income. We lived in the right neighborhood. We had the right home. We were in the right social circle. So everything seemed to be okay. But our marriage wasn't built on Christ. And so after five years, um, she came home one night and informed me that she had filed for divorce. And Uh, I didn't want to talk about it, to your point, Mm -hmm. um, because it was a sign of failure, and I didn't really know anyone that had gone through it. And so it really um, kind of was the start of the relationship with Amy and I. Amy had gone through divorce about a year ahead of me, and she appeared to have come out the other side and be really successful. So I reached out to her just with simple questions like, how do you get up? How do you get out of bed? Mm -hmm. How do you get dressed? And how do you talk about this? 
I always love to hear him say that it appeared that I was had it all together and that mm-hmm. I had I had made it through divorce um, with some success because looking back on it, um, that appearance is really what um, probably helped define my brokenness. Um, and I say that because um, similar to Brad, I grew up believing in a God. I knew who Jesus was. The part that I missed was what he had done for me. And so there was a, a constant race for me to do for myself. And um, that soon turned into an identity that was tied to work. And um, so much so that when I moved to Houston and and was in one of my first professional uh, jobs, I ended up with a diagnosis of Steven Johnson syndrome, um, landed in the UTMB burn unit with skin grafts over 90% of my body. And a lot of people will hear that and they'll think, wow, that must have been life changing for you. But it wasn't. What I found laying in that hospital bed was simply a desire to have my laptop with me Mm, to make sure that I was not defined by the pressure garments that I was going to walk out of the hospital with to cover the burns and, and help on that road to recovery. So I was still, still looking for work, um, and then move quickly back, luckily health with good health back into the workforce and still was defined by work, even to the point where, Felt like I was climbing the corporate ladder, had all the accolades, um, had left home at an early age just to become financially independent, and I was moving in the right direction, so I thought, and really was moving so quickly and at a pace that was damaging to the marriage, and that's kind of where it left us, was um, that led to a divorce where I was a single mom, two babies, and a lot of people will say, wow, that's probably where you turned around. And, and sought Christ. And it really wasn't because I still had in my head that I could handle it alone. Um, I was at that point financially independent. And so I really poured myself even, even more so into work, trying to figure out um, how to best handle uh, the divorce. And, and, and all I knew growing up was um, you you work hard, you pray hard, you keep everything personal and private. So I continued to do to, to do that, and that's where um, it led to a conversation with Brad because we worked at the, together at the time. And um, so it appeared that I I don't think I knew that I had it all together. And he asked, "How did I have it all together?" Because on the outside it looked really good, mm-hmm. but on the inside I was really falling apart. And so one of our first dates, he he said to me, "I don't understand." why I'm here, why I'm going through divorce, because I've, I've tried to live like Christ as much as I can. And I, I heard that word, and I was like, live like Christ, that phrase, Christ-likeness, never heard it before. And so I was just like, wow, tell me more. What does that look like? Because the way that I've been living hasn't brought any peace. Um, it seems to bring more turmoil. So say all that, ironically, um, on the outside, it looked like I was doing well, but on the inside, I was falling apart and I was exhausted. So that was an important conversation for us, but it was based on bad theology. I grew up thinking <laughs> if I tried to live like Christ, everything would go well in my life. And, and we know now that that's not true. But the peace that she mentions, um, if we do have a relationship with Christ, we can have peace even when the stuff around us isn't going well. Well, I'm grateful mm-hmm. that you guys are willing to even talk about your stories because I think even though 
you're, you know, you've moved forward and y'all are happy and, and in this ministry, it's still, you know, so sometimes it's hard for people to even be vulnerable enough to talk about their past and the mistakes they made and what they were thinking in that time. Yeah, there's so much in that. So I mentioned I didn't want to talk about it. Um, when my ex-wife filed for divorce, um, I probably went two months before I even told my parents. And I can remember an Easter and a Mother's Day and many family gatherings where my ex-wife wasn't with me and I was making up excuses. Um, and so I was stuck in that not wanting to talk about it. And and like most things, there's something underneath that. For me, it was, was pride. I mentioned sports and uh, academics. I was... I was wired to achieve, and I didn't like to talk about failure. And so for me, it was hard to talk about divorce because I felt like I failed at something um, that was very important, a commitment made before God to do something for a lifetime. So that, yeah, it was hard to talk about. So now I'm 18 years down the road, and hopefully by us talking about this, we can help some others, but it it didn't happen immediately. Mm -hmm. So if someone's struggling right now and doesn't feel like they're in a place where they could talk about it, I would encourage you to, to find good people to be around you, find, um, find that community and start that process. But it is a process. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, I think what is also helpful is in both of your stories are really different. You know, I think that that's something that's really important as I'm listening is that, you know, this doesn't happen one way and it's not simple. And even, you know, it happens with Christians because like you said, like I, you grew up in church and your, your wife did, and you were trying to be obedient to Christ and still you ended up in this place. Because I think that can be a hard conversation for people to have, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian, this cannot be happening. But we know that it, it does. And so I think being honest about that is just really helpful. Oh, I, I'll, I'll go on back. I, I agree. Thank you for sharing that. The statistics would say that divorce rate mm-hmm. is pretty similar in the church and outside the church. Um. And I would go back to what, what I said earlier about the conversation with Amy. Even though we may call ourselves Christians mm-hmm. or, in fact, be Christians and be obedient to Christ, that doesn't mean everything will go perfectly mm-hmm. in this world. And um, so uh, that allows me to still have a faith in God when I acknowledge that mm-hmm. um, when things don't go well yeah. beyond just the divorce. Mm-hmm. Well, you talked about wanting to uh, meet with Amy because even though Amy said that it might have looked like she had it together and she was totally at peace, um, it wasn't necessarily so. But you, you still you wanted to connect and to talk about some questions you had. What, what were some of those questions that you guys just worked through as two people who had gone through the divorce and were trying to figure out what that meant for your lives and for your identity and all those things? I think one of the... Big questions that I had after I realized that the relationship had the, the possibility to move forward was um, the next step is to get the marriage annulled because I was married in a Catholic church and, mm-hmm. and that's just the way that things would roll forward. And so I had that conversation with Brad, as, you know, if we're going to move forward, this is the next step that I need to take. And he he very lovingly said, I don't, I don't know what annulment means. Let's look that up. And at the time, um, I did not have a Bible and he gave me the, it's the best gift I've ever been given, but it was a life application study Bible. And he gave it to me. Um, and he said, I don't, again, I don't know what annulment is. I don't have all the answers, but let's look together. And so we, we really dug deep in, 
in scripture. He showed me how to use it. Um, and we dug deep for answers like that. Uh, and, and yeah. So, you know, that helps set a foundation for our, our, our relationship and then marriage is it's not necessarily how I was raised or how she was raised or what my church of origin, you know, I grew up Baptist or what the Catholic church says, but we agreed to align on what the Bible says. Um, and so that's, as we were, you know, moving into our relationship, the questions I had coming out of divorce started very practical and, and a lot financial. How do you get up? Are we going to, well, that too. I think that's super yeah. helpful. That's a real question. Yeah. For for real, there's a paralyzation mm-hmm. that happens, and it's normal. And 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 so those were the first type of questions: mm-hmm. is how do I get up? How do I get dressed? How do I get out of the house? If I see people, how am I going to talk about it? And then you kind of had financial type decisions. Speaking of the house, am I going to stay in it as my ex, and are we going to sell it ultimately? And then you start working into kind of social and relational. Who gets to keep the married friends? Like all our friends were mm-hmm. other married couples, or now they still my friends, or, or did I lose those in the divorce? And if I seek new friends, do I want to be around single people because now I'm single? And really, that kind of gets into identity questions, right? So I was identified by a quote happy marriage um, as a primary identity, and I put words into Amy, but you know she was identified by what she was at work. And and rather than a primary identity and being in Christ, mm-hmm. so the order was flipped for me. So that's what I was dealing with coming out of marriage, or coming. He, yeah, coming out of first you marriage. do talk a lot about the the practical steps, yeah. and th- and that's so important because we do see a lot of people that are just in so much pain that they don't know what to do next. Um, for me, it was, and I guess because I felt like I had the means to move forward for me the the harder part was like how do I know what love is I can remember telling my mom like how do I know what love is I thought this was it and then the second part was like how do you trust somebody again because both of us come from relationships where trust was broken and and what I love about the journey is that I came to realize like you can't go to a book and find out what love is. The only place that I found what love is, is looking to God and what he did offer through his son, Jesus. And when I grasped that that's truly what love is, and when I could differentiate a fact from the truth of the promises that God provides and trust in those truths and not everything that the world was trying to show me, um, it allowed me to move forward. Mm-hmm. So on the, the emotional and the spiritual side um, versus the practical side that Brad talked about. Well, I think it's helpful because we said in the beginning of the podcast that divorce is common. Hard to talk about, but it's common. But it just because it's common doesn't mean it's not horrible and traumatic and unique. I mean, you know, because it's sometimes things like, oh, it, it's everywhere, but it still is really, really hard. Yeah, I think with any difficulty, right? We feel like we're the only ones that's ever gone through this difficulty. In reality, others have been through it. And divorce is very similar. If we look at the stats in the population, it seems very common. But when one goes through it, they feel like they're the only one that's ever gone through it. And there's a little bit of truth to this. You ask about why I reached out to Amy. Well, part of it was she looked successful, and but also part of it was she was really the only person I knew that had been through a divorce. Mm-hmm. And there is value in being with other people 
that have been through divorce because they're really the only ones that can fully understand what it is that you're going through. Mm -hmm. That paralyzation, that ability or inability to get out of bed. So, yeah, it's more common than we think, but we don't feel it when we're going through it. And there is value in being around others that have been through it because they're the only ones that can relate. Well, let me guys ask you what it is that you discovered as you started talking together. And like you said, you were really working through, well, what does the Bible say about annulment? What does it say about what love is? How do I learn how to get up in the morning? Because those are all connected in some way. So what did you guys discover together as you were asking these questions? I think I discovered my own brokenness in it all. Instead of trying to to point to somebody else and, and describe the pain that I had because of somebody else's action and sit in that pain and that bitterness and that anger, I suddenly saw my own brokenness and and my own failures, and that led me to a place of repentance mm-hmm. and a, a heart that was able to be transformed by the love of Christ. I would connect to that um, in a very similar way. I, you know, I mentioned it was hard to talk about. When I was ready to talk about my, my divorce, it was in a manner to make sure everyone understood it wasn't my fault and that I, quote, yeah. won and wasn't the reason or the offending party. And then I would move to where Amy got to that really it doesn't matter who is at fault. And reality is there's never 100%, 0%. Both both parties contribute to any relationship that breaks up. So once I learned that I had to control my circle, as you've helped us with and re-engage and, and realize that I have brokenness that it needs to be worked on, um, then I was able to move forward. Let go of the bitterness, begin to forgive, work on me, and, and that work starts vertically. When I understand how much I've been forgiven by God through Jesus, then I can begin to forgive others. When I understand how much I am loved, then I'm able to move, move on and love others. So start the work with me, start the work vertically, vertically, and then I'm better equipped to have horizontal relationships that are effective. So you, you also talked about the importance of community, just people who know what you're going through. Mm. So you guys lead Divorce Care, which is our uh, ministry for people who are going through divorce or thinking about it or have gone through it. And um, how has what you guys discovered about, you know, your own, you know, brokenness and repentance and finding faith and hope in those places, how does that connect with community whenever you're talking about divorce care? You know, what, what is it? Is it, is it a class you guys are teaching or is it a community of people who are going through this? What could people expect if they're looking at divorce care? It is a class and it is a community. Um, Divorce Care is, it's a network, a worldwide network of support groups that are offered um, locally through the the church. And it's a community of people who come together and share in that same heartache, that same pain. um, And they're just surrounded by people that are in the same place. I mean, you mentioned everybody's story is different and, and it is. But there is such comfort and safety in finding a circle or community of people that can truly relate um, to the emotions, emotional roller coaster, really, that you're going through. Um, I was thinking about this this morning because I can't necessarily relate to you, Rachel, when you tell me, um, when you talk about COVID mm-hmm. and, you know, how many 
days you were home and how many kids had it. I mean, that was hard for you. Mm-hmm. And I can listen, but I really can't relate. And so when I can get in a circle with people who've, who are hurting um, because of the divorce, I, I just, it allows that relationship to go to the next level. And I, I think that it allows them to be um, more authentic because they know that you've been there and there's just nothing like it. Yeah. So I would agree. It is a class in the community. And as Amy mentioned, others are hurting and really the, the organization's purpose is to provide healing for the hurting and to do that by pointing them to the hope that is in Jesus. So you'll be surrounded by others that have had similar experiences and will point them to Jesus because Amy and I can't fix it. The the content can't fix it. And no one's really going to be, uh, quote, fixed in 13 weeks, but they will start to see the hope that's offered in Christ and that will allow them to move forward. Tell me about the hope that you guys have found in Christ. So how has the hope you found in Christ affected how you see marriage and family and even your past? What, what does that look like to find hope in Christ? Yeah, that sounds easy when we say it, right? right. Oh, find hope in Christ. You have one sentence. Uh, Go. I have one sentence. Hope in Christ for me I'm just joking. <laughs> you have more sentences. Well, there must be hope in Christ if I can do this in one sentence because that's beyond me. Uh, hope in Christ means to me that there's a God who loves me and created me in his image. He has standards that I can't live up to no matter how hard I try. But he wanted a relationship with me so much that he sent us on Jesus to die for me. And when Jesus beat death, it made a way for my relationship with Christ, with God to be made whole. And that is where my hope comes from. And when I see that love that was offered to me when I didn't deserve it, I can now love others even when they might not deserve it. And it changed my view on really any relationships, but marriage in particular. It's not an emotion. It's not based on something I feel. It's not based on something my spouse earns or doesn't earn. It's because I've chosen to love. And then my Happiness. I was going to push back on the word you used earlier. I don't like Did the I word. Did I say happy? Uh, yeah, I don't like the word happy, and and I think it's true. And I think we use it around here. Happiness yeah. is depend on happenings, and if things don't happen right, well, then I'm not happy anymore. So my hope in Christ means there's a joy, there's a contentment that even if the happenings around me aren't going the way I'd like, I still have a joy and a contentment that can't be taken away, and that's only because of what's been offered through Christ. So when I say hope in Christ, hopefully that summarizes it, even though it's more than a sentence. Perfectly stated. <laughs> um, so have you, no, you want to? I would, I, I think the hope is, is just that there's a constant awareness. There's a, a constant awareness about his presence now. Um, if I take, if I go back and describe where I was years previously, it was like everything on the outside was appeared good inside it was turning and the hope that I now have is it it provides a peace on the inside even though there may be chaos and disruption Mm -hmm. and craziness heartache suffering on the outside that's okay because there's just this constant awareness of his presence that I can continue to to call on and, and also know that he's continuing to pursue me can you guys give me an example of in your own marriage you know, how has that made a difference? So understanding this hope in Christ and, you know, walking together through that, 
whenever you're just in your daily struggles and sufferings, you know, how does that practically look different for you together? So we have kids that are 21, 19, and 16. The two oldest kids are our stepkids. When we got married, the the boys were four and two. So when you raise kids together, and especially Mm -hmm. stepkids and then teenagers, um, we, we weren't always aligned on what was the right choice as we parented. Um, however, we could have a discussion, have differing viewpoints, and and then align on what would be done. And even if I didn't agree with the, what ended up being done or vice versa, we were aligned as parents to be in front of the kids. And also it didn't jeopardize our relationship. And that was with intention early on when the kids were little, you know, we agreed that in front of the kids, if one of us, you know, said yes without consulting the other and the other would have said, no, we don't discuss that in front of the kids. We wait until afterwards. And then fast forward even to today, Amy often will bring up a topic and I'll go quiet because remember earlier, I don't like conflict. And if there's no conflict, then nothing's wrong. And she'll follow it up. It's okay if you have a different opinion, let's just talk about it. So how does that show up in our relationship? Well, when we don't agree, it can still be okay. Mm. Is that right? Are we yes. okay? Yes. She's like, and I think, she, Amy's going quiet. She's I don't like, agree. Oh, I don't processing. Know. <laughs> um, I think it shows up in our relationship because the spirit can move us to do things that we are not capable of doing on our own. Like, I can so appreciate how he can be patient with me. He can be kind on the days that I wake up moody and... Mm. And that is and are ugly, gift. like <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I think that that has helped a great deal. Just just trusting the spirit to move in me when I may be aggravated, irritated by things that he does. But in reality, I can pause long enough to realize that's that's the way he's created, mm-hmm. or he isn't perfect. Um, so Brad's like, well. Mm. <laughs> Yes, my mom. <laughs> so anyway, I, I love that this, the Spirit can move in each of us um, to help guide us and treat us in ways that we would not treat one another mm-hmm. if we didn't have that. Have y'all seen any examples of people sort of coming to that place in divorce care? So they've walked through divorce care, not that it's a miracle class or community, but have have you seen examples and stories where people really have understood this about this joy and hope in Jesus and it's it's changed how they see the world and how they interact? We we could could go on um, and we'll try to share a few examples. So yes, we have seen it. If I had to summarize, you know, what Amy was discussing a minute ago is, is kind of a choice to love the other. Um, what has been so encouraging in, in most of these stories is that these people all came because they're hurting and seeking help and healing. And the stories that we get to see are how they then begin to pour into others in very unique ways that God uniquely created them for. I guess we'll kind of maybe ping pong some of these, but one that comes to mind is um, we had a, an individual in one of our classes that received a bad diagnosis, a diagnosis mm-hmm. of cancer, and was was kind of paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as God would work in that class was a two-time survivor of cancer, another person who had received care at MD Anderson. Later, this person would struggle as to where to choose care and was hesitant to go to MD Anderson. Another person in the group who had worked, um, you know, as, as a discharge planner and to help people navigate the complicated medical landscape. Another person in the class who has uh, relatives in long-term care facilities who is used to caring for and advocating for patients and is willing to, to make transportation. So, you know, here's a group of, of broken people seeking help for their own situations and then find unique ways to pour into another individual. And, and you know, something magical is done in each of us when we begin to serve others. It, it often does more for us. So that's one neat story that I've seen mm-hmm. that's not even divorce-related, mm-hmm. but that we've gotten to see. Does anything come to mind for you? Another story that comes to mind is it was nearing Christmas, and uh, one of the class participants had taken huge steps in, in getting working towards being debt-free, and she was making really wise decisions. And here she has two children she wants to provide for um, at Christmas, and the message got out, and they these a group of people from the divorce care provide her with a trunk full of gifts and gift cards That's that amazing. she could go home and provide um, for her little girls. So she was able to move forward without the financial burden, but yet be served by others mm-hmm. who were hurting and, and knew that story. That is a community. Yeah. It is. It and is. we could go on with stories about that. Um, the most you know, recent is, go ahead. It, you can share. What do you? Y'all are so nice. What, what <laughs> a mo- more, recent? more recent story yeah. is um, we had someone who broke um, their leg and was mm-hmm. not able to drive to the class. And so she put a message out and someone else responded I probably won't show up, but if I have to pick you up, that will hold me accountable. So I will pick you up and I'll bring you to class. And so they're just, they're working together, um, knowing and seeing the importance of community. And that you, you mentioned, Rachel, it's a community and Amy mentions it in, at a higher level without individual stories. While this is hosted at Clear Creek, the fact is many people come from all different backgrounds. Some do, in fact, go to Clear Creek. Some go to other churches. Some are not churched at all, but we're just searching for any sort of help. And then we've seen people read the Bible for the first time or the first time in a long time. We've seen people um, decide to find a church home. We've seen people re-engage after being away from the church for a while. We've seen people feel the value of community and decide to join small groups for the first time. And then we've seen these group of people that were all strangers um, that came in with mm-hmm. more cross body language mm-hmm. than I have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, a year and a half, two years down the road, they still have a group me text thread going and meet periodically for meals, dinners, get togethers, outings. So they they we celebrate that they've seen the value of community and mm-hmm. being around others that are like minded. And then choose to continue that because nothing's going to happen in 13 weeks. It's going to be life-changing forever. But hopefully what can be life-changing is you realize healing comes through Christ and you need to be around other people that are like-minded. And we're starting to see that too. Yeah. I mean, everyone's coming in with pain and hurt and closed fists. Yes. To be able to walk away open-handed in community Mm -hmm. with hope is what a good gift. 
So I, I appreciate the fact that you started with some really practical questions or practical concerns when it comes to walking through divorce, because um, it's helpful to talk about, you know, what does it look like to have hope in Christ? You know, what is community? What am I, what are these big things I'm learning? But people still have practical questions, you know, and they're not separate, Correct. but there are still these practical questions that people have. So if you guys are okay with it, I was talking to some friends who, you know, have either walked through it or they are with someone intimately who is walking through divorce and they were like, here's all the questions I have. So I'm not going to give you all the questions because that's too much, which you know. Um, and also like you, you don't have to feel pressure to be the expert. Like I, you know, you guys are very humble and wise. And so just whatever advice you have to offer, if I can just sort of throw some questions out. Sure. If you'd be willing to. Let's go. All right. Brad's ready. Right, here we go. Okay, so here's the first one. If my if I'm married still, so this is someone who maybe is considering divorce. So if my spouse is a different person now than when we got married, how do I think about that? Can I divorce them because they're different? How do I love them well? What what does that look like? My first thought is Thank goodness they're different. Like, <laughs> oh, really, I love that. Like, oh, I love that. So true. We yeah. we want to be different than where we started. So I, I would applaud in that. However, you do have to be wise. I mean, is he he or she different um, in a healthy way, or are there there unhealthy habits, um, things that that needs to be there need to be boundaries set in place. Um, so so that's the different. But I would be thankful that they are not the same person and then seek counsel um, to figure out what it is that's different. Is it healthy? Is it not healthy? And pray for reconciliation mm-hmm. always. Yeah. Just briefly, I'd say do all you can to save that current marriage just because they're different doesn't mean that the marriage is over and make sure the difference isn't in you and how you define love. If, if it's, I feel differently about that person, then mm-hmm. you've got some you work to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's another one. Uh, Cause we're just going to work through yep. these. Well, these are not like complete answers. So what if I got a divorce, but now I'm a Christian. So when I was, a, when I got a divorce, I wasn't a Christian. I am a Christian now. How can I think about that divorce that I had in my life now? When I hear that question, I think there's a question under that, mm-hmm. that that person may think that their reason for the previous divorce was, quote, not biblical. If you are a Christian now, I would celebrate that and say, woohoo, hopefully now you understand grace and you understand forgiveness. Um, and sometimes forgiveness involves forgiving ourselves if we played a role in the failure of that first marriage. And I would lean into grace and forgiveness. And if you have a question about whether or not there are biblical grounds to get remarried, I would take that up with a local pastor. That probably means you need to be involved in a local church, and I would encourage that as well. Okay, so here's another one. So this is for a blended household, which is going to be a lot of people. So do I parent my spouse's kids from a previous marriage? Am I their parent? How do I think through that topic? It's a huge topic. There is so much in but that. What is the Rachel, advice? Um, there's so much in that because it depends on the age of the kids. Mm-hmm. It depends on the relationship that you have with the kids. Um, it depends on the relationships 
that the ex has with their their kids, their own children or their stepchildren. Um, how, how did you guys handle that? Yeah, I, I would say to all parents, the best thing we can do for our kids is to love our spouse well and show them a picture of what love is. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, you're always parenting the kids, whether they're your stepkids or your your biological kids. Have we handled it? It helped, I would argue, that our kids were little when we got married. They were four and two, I shared earlier. And as we ask them now, they're adults, and we talk to them, that's all they've really ever known. So there wasn't this huge change mm-hmm. of their experience. So it's all they've known. We also um, live fairly close to their dad and, and his family, and he's been a constant part of their life. So we've all done our best to try to co-parent. Um, and then Amy and I, within our house, um, she she allows me to speak into decisions that are made. Um, but then I also ultimately understand there's times, too, where Amy's going to need to consult her ex-husband on issues as well. So it is more complicated. Yes, you are parenting, I would say, um, and that starts with loving your spouse well. Yeah, I love that. Well, this is connected to that question too, which is how do you relate or how should you relate or have you guys related to your exes or your spouse's ex? How do you sort of think through those dynamics? It's changed over time, and and I think it just comes with a lot of understanding how much God loves me and the grace that He has provided me. And because of that, I'm I can more easily see the part that I played in the divorce, and also be able to then offer grace to the part that He played um, in it. And it it allowed us to communicate better and uh, I should speak for myself, but I mean, it, it was hard that, you know, at first there's a lot of anger and bitterness and um, comparing and words that, that were shared that, that weren't uplifting. But when I could finally see the part that I played and, and realize how much grace and forgiveness that I was given, um, from Christ, I could I could then give that to him, and it, it still doesn't make it easy. It's it's not a one and done thing. It's just a constant daily reminder of of what God has done for me, um, and who I am now because of that. Mm-hmm. Because day one, what how I communicated and related to my ex is definitely different than than it is now. But that's all that's all about Christ. Um, I think that, I don't know, that's, that's a difference. It's, it becomes, it was my story and now it's his story. And that's, that makes it different now I can relate. Yeah. At its simplest, how do we treat someone else as Christ would treat them, right? Like, and, and that begins when we see them not as an ex-spouse, but as a child of God. And, and it sounds simple, but it's not easy and it's a process. So that's kind of the spiritual answer, right? And then the, the practical is... Um, my ex-spouse, we did not have kids together and she now lives four or five hours away and there's no real need for mm-hmm. me or for Amy. So there's some some practicality and proximity that factors into that question for other people's going through it, other people that are going through it. Um, you may not have a need to communicate very regularly or the opposite could be true where you have kids that you're going to be involved in uh, communicating with that person for quite some time. 
I think those are such helpful answers because, you know, what you're really saying is that this is complicated, right? Everyone has an individual story. So you, you can't give some, you know, perfect answer, but it's at the same time, it's simple. How does, how does, how do you treat someone as Christ would treat them? How do you love your neighbor and how do you do that in humility? So, I mean, it's, it's both of those things together, which I think is just, For sure. that's the answer, which yeah. is really, it's hard. But so if, if someone is thinking, okay, I'm considering going to divorce care, even if like I've been divorced for a long time, but they just, they're not sure if they want to walk through that door. What would you say to them? What advice would you give someone who is contemplating divorce or walking through divorce? And that might be different. I'll take the walk through the door, the first part of that question. Mm -hmm. I think there are a few there. I'd say, please come, be courageous. It's hard. Others have made that hard work before, and we can't wait to give you a high five when you get in. And we do that with everyone that walks through that door because it is a hard walk mm-hmm. in. Because in there is an admission that I need help. And in America, we don't like to say that I need help with something. So um, give it a shot, be courageous, and we'd love to see you walk through the door. And then, you know, what do you say? to others that are contemplating or going through separation or divorce? What do you have to add? I mean, just, if you were just going to say, like, here's just one word I would give you, like, whether it's encouragement or advice or whatever it is, because you guys know more than I know, it's it's a lot of people. And they're not all going to walk through the door. Hopefully they will. Yeah, they're not all going to walk through the door. Um, we're in a unique season. You know, as this is being recorded, we've been through over a year of, of a pandemic and there's been even more isolation than normal. So people going through divorce often feel isolated and then now some of the normal outlets to deal with that have been taken away. So I think we've seen more people, quote, walking through the door mm-hmm. for divorce care recently because of that, because there's this need for community. And so we have seen more, but typically you're right. It's, it's hard to get people to walk mm-hmm. in that door. So that was more than one word. She asked you for one word. You might be able to do it. I don't know that I can do it in one word, but I would just encourage them to take the step um, and just just join us for for one class. Um, it's a long, long process, and it, we realize that divorce is one of the most painful things that a person will go through in their life. Um, so it, it will take a long time and... Um, just take that step. I mean, off, I think in divorce care class, one of the first things that the experts on the video share is that open heart surgery is like physical and you need a long time to recover and you take certain steps. And divorce is an emotional open heart surgery. Like you, you're going to hurt, but you need to take the step. You need to have mm-hmm. something to help you on the road to recovery and to help with the healing. So just join us. Well, I I just appreciate how you guys are so completely honest about how hard it is and how painful it is. But you also still, you know, talk so much. I mean, your whole purpose is the hope that can be found in the midst of it with community and with faith in Christ. I'm just really grateful for you sharing your stories and for just being willing to walk with people through these really dark open heart surgery times in their lives that's that's a hard thing 
It's a good gift to our church, though, so thank you. Thanks for saying that. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm grateful for your wisdom. Like I said, I think I could listen to y'all talk about anything, but I'm thankful for your stories and your presence here. Next time we'll talk about golf, Brad. <laughs> so make it a little lighter. So thank you guys so much for listening today. I'm going to link to some resources that the Thompsons recommend and a link to divorce care if it's something that you or someone you love could benefit from. Um, you can find that at clearcreekresources.org where I don't know if you've heard, but you can also find music, articles, stories, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>